good day, ladies and gentlemen, film fans all over the world. This is one of your hosts again, the one and only Mr. Roderick Lipschacht, joining you for another episode of the Infinity Film Podcast. Now, joining me, as always, is the wonderful, talented Mr. Ben Saunders. I'm Batman. No, I'm just kidding. Ben Saunders here. Happy to be here. <laughs> Um, so Ben just tried to do a Batman voice and that was highly entertaining. Um, <laughs> uh, so it, it, uh, if, if, if that didn't give you a hint, today's episode is all around the great world of comic book films. Woohoo! Just a little background for me at least. I have been a comic book fan my entire life. I have grown up on comics. Uh, Spider-Man was always my favorite superhero growing up followed by Batman and Superman. You can never go wrong with comic books, in my opinion. I think the, the film that really, really got me into comic book movies, where I was like, oh, wow, these movies could actually be something special, is uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man in 2002. Uh, just, a, just a fantastic, fantastic movie. Does it hold up today? Eh, not really. However, that being said, um, it still holds a place in, in my heart and I'm sure a lot of other people's hearts um, just for what it did as far as evolving the comic book uh, genre, comic book film genre. And, you know, there's a section of people out there who think that comic book movies are too much spectacle and it's just a bunch of noise and a bunch of, you know, explosions and whatnot. And I would challenge those people to say it's spectacle, but it's spectacle with meaning. And, and, and deep themes and you know so what Ben and I are going to do today is talk about our 10 favorite films in the comic book genre and also give you our 10 favorite performances in the comic book genre this is going to be fun my top 10 has drastically changed over the years for those of you who follow me you probably already know what my number one is and my number two is mm -hmm. uh, I'm very excited to hear Ben's top 10 I think I'm pretty sure I know what his number one is but I'm I'm excited. I'm very excited to hear the rest of this list. You know, I I love 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 talking about comic book movies. So I cannot wait to get this conversation started. Do you have any thoughts on just you know just your overall thoughts and impressions on the comic book film genre over the past maybe just all your life? You know what comic book, what comic books have meant to you? You know, is there anything specific that you love about them? And just just talk about its impact in your life. Yeah. So. Honestly, I have not read a full comic book before, but the films have definitely impacted my life, uh, and they're big in pop culture in general. Uh, they've branched out, at least the characters, into to video games and TV shows and, and other books, uh, novels. So they've been a big part of my life. Uh, you talked about Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man 2 was the big one for me. Uh, when I saw the, the poster in the trailer, I was super excited. And, you know, as a teenage kid with superhero or superpowers, and I really Even wanted a teenager to be being played by a 20, 25 year old man. <laughs> true, true. But as a young kid, I could look past that. Yeah, I remember I really wanted to see that. And my dad was like, well, you haven't seen the first one. So how about we, we sit down and watch that? And so I was at my uncle's house and we, I think he had it on DVD. We sat down and watched it, and it was awesome. And then Spider-Man 2, seeing that in theaters, really blew me away. 
Yeah, I'm excited to, to get into this conversation. And I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and start with, we're doing performances first? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are now entering the performance category. Uh, so we have mixed the actors and actresses together. There have been some very, 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 very incredible performances throughout the years of combo films. Some that I think should have been nominated for Best Actor nomination, uh, and some of them on this list have, and some of them have won. So, without further ado, I'm going to let Ben start us off by giving us his 10 through 6. Benjamin, what are your favorite performances in combo films? All right. Well, this list changed a lot throughout the day, throughout the week, uh, even up to uh, about 10 minutes ago. But <laughs> number 10, I have Ian McKellen as Magneto. And I couldn't choose between X-Men or X2. His performance across the board is, is incredible. And it's just one of Ian, Sir Ian McKellen's many iconic roles uh, from him playing chess opposite Sir Patrick Stewart and their their chemistry of working together and being super villains, but also they can understand each other's positions. They just want to go about it differently, it seems. Yeah, X-Men and X2, and especially X2 when he works together with, or they at least they debate about working together with him and Professor X. Uh, we'll move on to number nine, film that'll come up a few times here. Logan, and specifically I have X-23, Daphne Keene's performance. She, as a young girl, uh, she really blew me away with her performance. I didn't know what to expect at first <clears throat> with her being in an R-rated movie with Hugh Jackman, but she was incredible. And she seemed innocent at first, but then was super intense, and her, her action scenes are, are amazing too. Uh, we'll move on to number eight, also from Logan, Sir Patrick Stewart. He was great as well across the board as Professor X, Charles Xavier in the X-Men movies. But his performance in Logan really hit the hardest with me. He had a sort of dementia or something of the like where he was very forgetful and had to have Wolverine help him. And to see him as the, the leader of a school for so many years and housing all these mutants out of the goodness of his heart, and then to living into a water tower that fell down on its side. Heartbreaking in and of itself. And then to see him in such a fragile state. And then of course his ultimate end in that movie was heartbreaking. So that whole performance really got to me. And definitely my, my favorite from him. Number seven, we'll go to the Winter Soldier and specifically have Scarlett Johansson's performance. Black Widow. Ben, before you say anything else, sure. I just want to let everybody know that this episode will contain major spoilers for everything. We are going True. deep Good dive point. into everything. So let's mm-hmm. throw that red, red, that red flag out there when you talk about uh, Professor X. So let's throw that out there. Major spoilers. Yes. Continue. Thank you for that. So number seven, the Winter Soldier. Specifically, I have Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. Of course, she's great in all the movies, <laughs> also in the in the MCU. But in The Winter Soldier, she, it seems like she stepped it up. And her, her action scenes are incredible. And her acting, she seems so confident in the role now. Whereas in Iron Man 2, of course, she was trying to uh, subvert her, her actual mission and had an alias. <clears throat> but she, uh, she really stepped it up here 
and her opposite Chris Evans. They had great chemistry and a little will they won't they uh, <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, she's total badass. And her taking on the Winter Soldier under the uh, the the freeway with her her stance with the the double pistols catching him off guard. So yeah, that was that was a great performance. Her number six from Infinity War, which has a huge cast of characters, but for number six specifically, I'm choosing Zoe Saldana as Gamora. She was awesome in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, which also had a great cast. <clears throat> but here specifically, she was given a very big and important role as the daughter of Thanos. And her talking to Chris Pratt's Star-Lord character was really emotional, where she even asked him to kill her if she couldn't stop Thanos from completing his goal. And then ultimately, Thanos gets the better of her. And seeing her slowly understand what was going on in that situation and realize what was going to happen is just heartbreaking. But she wasn't quick enough for Thanos to, to grab her and, and throw her off that cliff on Vormir. And the, the swell of the music and even to see her body laying on the rocks at the bottom is just heartbreaking. So my number six for me. We'll go to you for your 10 to 6, Ron. Well, Benjamin, I am very impressed. That was a very diverse list right there. I, I'm surprised by this always Albana pick, but I mean, that's probably the most emotion we've gotten from the Gamora character in the entire MCU, besides maybe Guardians 2. You know, and Zoe Aldana is, fant- is a fantastic actress. I, I really thought Infinity War was kind of her crown jewel performance so far. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, spoilers, uh, she's back, but it's not our Gamora. It's a different Gamora now, so... You know, whenever we see Guardians 3 in 2035, whenever it's going to come out, um, I'd be excited to see what what direction they take that character. Ben, well done, sir. Well done. Well done. Ladies and gentlemen, we have now reached the Roger Lip Drop portion of the 10 through 6. And I want to start off by saying that there are a lot of great performances. And this this was really hard to do. Um, this almost gave me a headache. I, I take several Advils besides maybe my top three. I feel bad for leaving certain actors out. It's, it's that difficult of a list. That being said, though, my number 10, Avatar. I'm cheating a little bit, but I'm going to go with Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey and Robert Downey Jr. in Captain America Civil War. For me, Margot Robbie was the best part about Suicide Squad, her and Will Smith and their chemistry together. Just their, you know, they're they're a bunch of performances, but mainly Harley Quinn kind of stole the show from whatever the trailer of the movie was. Uh, so we entered Birds of Prey, and, you know, I had my doubts about the movie. I didn't have my doubts about her or the performance, but as the movie as a whole, I was like, eh, you know. I love the movie, and the reason why I love that movie so much is because of her performance. And just seeing, I, I love seeing uh, when the character delves deep and seeing how she deals with a breakup, you know, physical abuse. Trying to find, I love those movies of characters of just trying to find a place in the world. And, and Marco brought that in Birds of Prey. And as far as RDJ is concerned in Civil War, I mean, he bought another complex layer to that character that we haven't seen yet. It, it, it gets kind of tiring to say, oh man, Robert Downey Jr. was so good as Tony Stark. But to see what he did in Civil War, um, there are two particular scenes I, I want to talk about. One is of course, him finding out about his parents getting murdered and just him not really saying much, but it was his facial expression. And then you saw with the eyes and then when he asked Cap, 
you know, did you know? Really, really heartbreaking to see. You felt that anger. And it's in Downey's facial features that you really get that kind of performance. So, um, so yeah. So my number 10, Margot and, and RDJ in Civil War. Number nine, the actor you had on your list, Ben, Sir Patrick Stewart or Logan. A hard performance to watch for sure. Just because of the journey that character has been on since the first X-Men. You know, we've been with him for what seems like our entire childhood and through our teenage and adult years now. I, if I'm not mistaken, he was nominated for a Best Supporting Actor in that movie, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. He should have been, though. I'm thinking about the best screenplay. But um, a very emotional performance. And, uh, you know, when you find out what his character did and killing all the X-Men, a really emotionally satisfying performance. And a great way for him to go out. His little swan, his nice swan song. So, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart is my number nine. Uh, my number eight, going back to the MCU, talking about one of the best villains in the MCU. It's not Thanos. It's not Loki. Can you take a guess who it is, Benjamin? Hmm. Can you guess where I'm going with this? I'll give you one guess. It's got to be Whiplash. It absolutely is Whiplash. No. All right. <laughs> it's uh, Michael B. Jordan as Eric Killmonger in Black Panther. Yes, yes. Uh, how do you not... Love that performance. I mean, Michael B. Jordan's one of the greatest actors of all time, or greatest actors working right now. Um, the best villains are the ones we can always sympathize, sympathize with. And you get his goal, you get his mission. Yes, he is an evil dick, but he is someone who, you know, you side with, and especially coming from people of people of color. I, I think you you really get that that message across. And my favorite line in that entire movie is at the end. When he and T'Challa's like, hey, I can save you. And Michael B. Jordan just goes, why? So you can just lock me up and just bury me in the oceans with my ancestors. Because they knew that death was better than bondage. I, that's a powerful line from a very powerful moving film. Yes, that third act is not good. But the one thing that, that remains constant is that Michael B. Jordan was the best part about Black Panther. And his performance was absolutely terrific. So, uh, my number eight is Michael B. Jordan as Eric Killmonger. My number seven, another person you had on your list, and it might actually have been your number seven, and that is the lovely Scarlett Johansson in Captain America, The Winter Soldier. We tied. Yes, we did. Uh, her performance in that movie, you know, coming off Iron Man 2 and The Avengers, where she was good. She was good. But this is where we get to see Natasha Romanoff be most vulnerable. And uh, I, I got to say, I wasn't expecting much from her in this movie. I thought, you know, you have Samuel Jackson and Robert Redford and Chris Evans. I think it's going to be their movie. Um, you know, not only does she play an integral part to the film, but you real, this is where you really start to care about Black Widow. Now, for me, I started really caring the Avengers, not really Iron Man 2, but her performance, I think, in Winter Soldier, really just something that she is a character we need, we should care about. And, it, and she did a great job of making us care about her. And you're right, that and the, the, the back and forth between her and, Ro and, and Rogers in that film, and just trying to, will they, won't they? I, I kind of figured they won't. That's because Capital's always had a soft spot for Peggy anyway. Um, that's always been his love. But, you know, you know, it was always fun just seeing her, seeing her trying to set, set Cap up for a date. 
you know, and there's this really powerful moment between the two of them where she goes, if you knew me back then, would you, would you trust me? Something like that. And he goes, yeah, I do now. And I was like, hey, okay. So yeah, she Scarlett Johansson in Winter Soldier, absolutely terrific. And number six, I don't know if you mentioned him yet. I, I think you did. Uh, I could be mistaken though. Uh, Hugh Jackman and Logan. I'm trying to cry right now, but like that, that's a performance that should have been nominated for an Oscar. It maybe even should have won. Hugh Jackman, look, the X-Men movies have never always been my favorites. They are very hit and miss, but the one constant thing about all those movies is that Hugh Jackman delivers every single time. And, you know, he is one of the best actors working right now. And his performance in Logan, Mike likes seeing Sir Patrick Stewart as Xavier. Hard to watch. Hard to watch a, a broken down Logan. He's sick. He's dying. And now he's got this daughter. And he's got a, a forgettable Charles Xavier who's got his own issues. I, I, I still try to wrap my head around how you don't nominate him for the Academy Award for Best Actor. I get it. It's a superhero movie. Whatever. But it, it truly was one of the greatest performances in any comic book film period. And the fact that he wasn't nominated is a shame but it doesn't take away from the brilliance of his performance and his death scene. Oof. You know, you talk about bringing out the tissues. And so, yeah, my number six belongs to Hugh Jackman for Logan. So my number 10 was Margot Robbie for Birds of Prey and RDJ in Civil War. Uh, my number nine was Sir Patrick Stewart for Logan. My number eight was Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger and Black Panther. My number seven was Scar Joe and Captain America the Winter Soldier. And my number six was Hugh Jackman in Logan. Uh, so now... Mr. Benjamin, we return back to you to give us your five through one. All right. We'll go number five, starting off another character in Infinity War. A brilliant performance from Josh Brolin as the one and only Thanos. Now, I've always liked Josh Brolin, and they brought him in to play the the titular villain for the film. And he's motion-capturing his performance. So I didn't know how much really I could tell that it was Brolin. But his facial expressions are what what really sell me for his performance. Uh, And even uh, there's one scene with one tear that he was able to pull off. And learning his background, uh, it's it's really a Thanos movie, even though the Avengers take up a lot of the time. But you get his background and his story. And, and Brolin really sells that and makes you even sympathize with him. And, and you understand where he's coming from, even if you don't agree with his ways. Also, just from the opening, the, he decimates Asgard and its people on, on that ship. And I know plenty of you have seen the movie, but I just want to, I want to read the opening quote from him. He says, I know what it's like to lose, to feel so desperately that you're right. Yet to fail nonetheless. It's frightening. Turns the legs to jelly. I ask you to what end? Dread it. Run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. And now it's here. Or should I say, I am. Just from that opening quote, I knew we were in for something good. And gosh, Paul delivered. So that was number five. Number four, or another performance from an actress I've had earlier. Scarlett Johansson. And this time it's from Endgame. She gave a very powerful performance. She starts off as the, what seems like the temporary leader of the Avengers. 
leading the the war room talks. And on the last episode, you had mentioned her even giving a great performance trying to eat a peanut butter sandwich. And she's having a tough time because of all the all the drastic events that have happened and how tough the last five years have been for her. You can see throughout that film <clears throat> the choices she makes and her reconnecting with Hawkeye, who has gone on the gone rogue as Ronan, and she gets him back in the game. And then of course her her ultimate sacrifice, which made me tear up. Fighting her friend, Hawkeye, they went back and forth on on who should make that ultimate sacrifice to get the the stone. But ultimately it was it was her who jumped off that cliff. And it was a uh, very sad to see her go. I know we're getting a prequel, hopefully in a few months. But yeah, that was that was a very strong and, and powerful goodbye to her. And from Iron Man 2, introduced very early. She may not have had many or any superpowers, but she gave great performances. And I think they, they did her character well and did her justice in the end. Number three, this is where I have Hugh Jackman, specifically in Logan appear. It was such a hard-hitting performance. This was the first rated R X-Men that wasn't Deadpool, but that involved several <clears throat> other X-Men. I think they, they used it well. They Of course, they have the occasional, since we're rated R, we can throw in this scene. But I think many of the, even many of the curse words that he uses, <laughs> he saves it for, for real effect when he's really angry. And of course, it gets bloody and, and gory, but it that even furthers his anger and makes you see his real potential as Wolverine. And it's a, it's a stunning finale for him up to the final scene when he just tears through that forest and is, is ripping those people to pieces. And there's a uh, behind-the-scenes video that's been circulated around of Hugh Jackman in a room and he's watching the footage but yelling into a microphone and he's even doing the actions himself. They're doing a, a voiceover for some of the, the grunts. Even even that's awesome. And you can see him get into character so much. And it, at the end of the video, he just turns and smiles. Yeah, it's, it's great to see that. And then, of course, him holding Daphne Keene's X-23 character's hand at the end. It was, it was beautiful, and it even links up to the Wolverine several years before where he was told the prophecy that he would be holding his heart in his hand when he died, but he's, he's holding his, his daughter's hand, and it's just it's beautiful. Uh, I was fighting tears then, but then when she takes the cross and turns it to make an X, it was just incredible symbolism, and that really touched me. <sighs> Moving on to number two. These, these are emotional. <laughs> Number two, Robert Downey Jr. It's got to be Endgame. This is best performance as Iron Man. Throughout the years, he it seems like he kept topping himself with not only humor, but also emotions. Um, he spoke of Civil War earlier, and that's an incredible one also. But from the get-go in Endgame, him, he was settled down with Pepper and had a kid which is something that I, I didn't expect. I didn't think we'd see that, but that showed so much progress in his character just from early on in the film. And he spends part of a night 
and figures out how time travel works, <laughs> which with most any other character, I'd be pretty mad. But with Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, I I can probably believe it. <laughs> He's incredibly smart, and he, he plays it off that way very well. And then, of course, <clears throat> all the action and... Yeah, he's proven time and time again that he's perfect for that role. And Marvel and Disney really went out on a limb casting him after coming back from rehab. But he, in my mind, he is Tony Stark. And then, of course, that <clears throat> ultimate sacrifice at the end to, to save humanity, pretty much. I, I still get chills <laughs> every time I think about it. And uh, I saw the movie only twice in theaters, but I, I cried like a baby both times. You know, you think Thanos is going to win with that snap, and he, he looks confused and turns and looks at Iron Man, and it's the slow but incredible callback to, to the first film, the, his first film and the first film of the MCU with his words, I am Iron Man. Then to see him surrounded by the other characters, it's just, it's it was an incredible send-off. And in my opinion, one of the best send-offs of one of the most iconic characters in comic book films ever. And then my number one spot <clears throat> I've saved for someone who ultimately gave his life for the role in real life. He locked himself in a room and wrote in a diary and very method acting and ultimately uh, led to his, his death. But he won an Oscar for it posthumously. and it's Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight as Joker. I don't think anyone is ever going to top him, in my opinion, as the Joker. He just goes fully into the role. Also, in this movie, from the get-go, you see that bank heist, and you're confused and don't know what's going on, and one clown is killing the next clown, and then it ends up with him taking off his mask and licking his lips and talking to that bank teller. And the, the camera's right in on his face. And from then on, you're just locked in to his performance. Making pencils disappear. And his many jokes, though they're dark, there's still a sense of humor that only, only the Joker can have and that only Heath Ledger, I think, could pull off. Now, I know before he was in mostly uh, rom-coms and some other smaller films. And people didn't expect him to be so amazing, but he, he was just incredible and still number one spot for me with his frightening performance as the Joker. That's my top five. I'll run down the list again from 10 to one. I had Ian McKellen at 10 for X-Men. Number nine, Daphne Keene and Logan. Number eight, Sir Patrick Stewart and Logan. Seven, Scarlett Johansson and the Winter Soldier. Six, Zoe Zaldana and Infinity War. Number five, Josh Brolin as Thanos in Infinity War. Number four, Scarlett Johansson in Endgame. Three, Hugh Jackman and Logan. Two, Robert Downey Jr. in Endgame. And one, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. I can say that uh, you and I are probably going to have some overlap, um, just maybe in a little bit of a different order. But you are missing a, a performance that I will not... Uh, I will make sure you uh, do not forget to leave them off your list next oh, no. time. Uh, yes, because you have inappropriately 
oh. left off a very important performance, in my opinion. All right. Uh, so, with that being said, Benjamin, a very, very great and diverse top five and a very great list overall. But I cannot let you get away with leaving out a certain performance. But I'll get to that when I get to it. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back. Let's get into the top five, shall we? Ben had this as his number four. I have it as my number five. And that is the lovely Scarlett Johansson in the Avengers Endgame. Talked a little bit about her performance in the last episode. So what I'll say here is um, she saved her best performance for her second to last outing. <laughs> you know, I, I always go back to that scene of her talking to Cap at the compound. And it, it, it truly is a remarkable scene because, you know, you could tell from all the characters we've seen in this movie, the dusting affected her the most because she really, this was her family, her true family, and they lost. And I think she, Scarlett Johansson, really sold that. Yeah, Natasha lost the most in all this. Yeah, so Scarlett Johansson would be my number five. Moving up to number four was uh, Ben's number five, and that is Josh Brolin as Thanos in Avengers Infinity War. There is only one other great CGI performance that you could really say is deserving of an Oscar, and that's Andy Serkis as uh, Caesar in the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Make that two, and that's Josh Brolin, because yes, he's a CGI purple grimace trying to steal some magic gems. But I want to go to a scene that Ben touched on, and that is the sacrifice of Gamora, and you could tell how much that really, really affected him. That he actually truly loved her, and those tears felt real. That pain felt real. His whole mission, his whole journey, his whole purpose, he felt it. And it's not because of the CGI, it's because of Josh Brolin's performance. And, you know, he was convinced that he was the only person to bring balance in the universe. So, yes, was he an egotistical maniac? Yeah. Was he insane? Yes. Was he wrong? Yes, but he still fell for him. And that is why Josh, and that is mainly because of Josh Brolin. So uh, Josh Brolin is my number four. Number three is Ben's number one, and that is Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. Uh, he, 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 he really, really, really lost himself in this performance. You know, I always laugh because I, I just, Think about him in that nurse's outfit, walking away while the hospital's blowing up, and yeah, him trying to, you know, trying to make it blow up because of the bomb, the detonator wasn't working. But which was actually unscripted. I uh, yeah yeah that I knew that's right. Thank you thank you. But I mean you, you know you talk about my favorite scene from Heath. You either got to go with the pencil scene or you got to go with the interrogation scene. You didn't see Heath Ledger. You just saw the Joker. In terms of just overall greatness and the best performance, yeah, it's probably number one or number two. But it's hard talking about this performance because he's gone. But at the end of the day, I, I can't see anybody else playing that actor or playing that playing that role except for him. And you know, yeah, we've gotten a lot of Joker roles, but for for Nolan's movie, what he was going for, I feel like he really lost himself. And look, I was a detractor. I didn't think that it was going to work at all. Um, and I want to share with you two of my favorite quotes from him in this entire movie. But the first one is, madness, as you know, is like gravity. All it takes is a little push. Uh, and then he does that famous Joker laugh. 
And it, I mean, just truly, truly haunting. And my other one is kind of a tie, but I, I decided to, to boil it down to this one. Uh, well, see, I don't even know now. I, I mean, there's too many good ones, but I'm, I'm going to go with this one. Uh, we can go back and forth all day doing quotes. Yeah, we could. We really could. And here we go. Here we go. But I think for me, it has to be, do I, do I really look like a guy with a plan? You know what I am? I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I just caught it. You know, I just do things. You know, I, oof, just, just, just powerful, powerful stuff for them. So, yes, Heath is my number three. Now, this is where Ben is about to feel my wrath because oh. his number two wasn't even on the list. And that is a damn shame. So, Benjamin, can you take a guess at what my number two is? Uh, you know, I'm not good at guessing, and uh, I was really hoping we could do more than just two podcasts, so I don't want you to be mad at me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to steal the thunder. You take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, Joaquin Phoenix as Joker. Mm. You know, say what you want about the movie. Don't take it away, take it away from Joaquin Phoenix. Come on, people. That man truly transformed himself into Arthur Fleck. I mean, just looking at his overall body image was haunting and horrifying. And that laugh is disturbing. Imagine trying to wake up with that as your alarm or something. I mean, good Lord. But he really, really gave it his all. And, you know, I, I, I think it is Joaquin's best of his career. It seems like all you got to do these days is win an Oscar now just play the Joker. Uh, just have a different spin on it. To, to truly realize how terrifying this character is. I want to go say a quote that he writes in his journal. I hope my death makes more sense than my life. If that doesn't hit you, I, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it truly was, I won't say powerful, but it was disturbing and haunting yet. You feel for the guy, you know, you, you don't feel for him in, in the actions that he takes. But you do feel for him because he has been beaten down by society over and over and over again. Or he's just an unreliable narrator. Make your poison. I mean, look, that, that's just the, one of the very great complexities of, of Joaquin Phoenix's performance. So Joaquin Phoenix is my number two and the Joker. But how can you not have RDJ in Endgame as number one? I mean, he saved the best for last. A swan song. Uh, I mean, right from the get-go with him in space, sending off that last message to Pepper before he thinks he's about to die. And that quote of, when I drift off, I'll be thinking about you, because it's always you. You're going to get back to it. He's always cared about Pepper. He's always loved Pepper. That thing is more important to him than Pepper. You know, seeing how fragile and, and, and now, now merged he got and seeing that come back with, with that powerful scene between him and Steve early in the movie and that argument they had about, um, you know, trying to, you know, maybe Tony did have a point on trying to create Ultron. You know, yeah, it didn't work out, but look what happened. You know, and then, like you said, Ben, his ultimate sacrifice, even when no one he left behind, his wife and a daughter and his surrogate son and Peter Parker. I, I, 
I've talked about it before on Zagnosium, so I'm not even going to really get into it again. So I'm sure it may come up later. But yeah, RDJ in Endgame was truly, truly magnificent. So, my top 10, as it stands right now. My number 10, Margot Robbie, Birth of Prey. Number 9 is Patrick Stewart and Logan. Number 8 is Michael B. Jordan and Black Panther. Number 7, Scarlett Johansson and Soldier. Number 6, Hugh Jackman and Logan. 5, Scarlett and Avengers Endgame. 4, Roma and the Vandy War. 3, Heath Ledger and Dark Knight. 2, One Cannon and Joker. And 1, RDJ and Endgame. Great choices. Joaquin definitely, uh, yeah, he gave a lot for that performance. Uh, I'm a little lower on the movie than you are, I know. Some of these other performances, <laughs> I think, have, I've had more time with also. But yeah, those are all, all great picks. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached that point of the show where we are going to dive deep into our top 10 films in the comic book film genre. I'm sure Ben and I are probably going to have some overlap here, too. For but sure. Trust me, our number ones are probably not the same. In fact, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure for a fact they aren't. So please, sit down and relax. Grab a beverage. And let's dive in to our top ten. I'm going to start out with our top ten. And here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to share my ten. Ben's going to share his ten. I'll share my nine. Ben will share his nine. And so on and so forth. So, for the sake of time, let's go ahead and not waste any more and get started with my number 10, a film that came out in 2014, which some people consider the best year for film. I don't, personally. However, there were some great comic book films that year. Guardians, Over a Soldier, Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. Um, but the, the real standout of 2014 X-Men Days of Future Pass, a truly, truly emotional film. Um, a film that really didn't, shouldn't have worked. It didn't work. Um, directed by Brian Singer, who, uh, yeah, we know we ain't. It's got some issues now. But um, what he did with that movie was nothing short of pure brilliance. And it was a lot more character-driven than I thought it was going to be. And when the action did happen, it felt right. Felt like it had meaning, but it just wasn't there to just have an action scene. And everyone gave a great performance. I still think it's the single best X-Men film um, as a group. So yeah, number 10 is X-Men Days of Future Past. Cool. Well, my number 10, we're going back to 2008. And uh, it's the one that started the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as we know today. Iron Man. Disney and Marvel, like I said earlier, took a chance on Robert Downey Jr. They had locked in John Favreau as director, who had directed such things as Elf. So that seemed a bit of a odd choice as well. But <laughs> he came and uh, delivered a great product with him, him and Robert Downey. And I believe they had a script, but a lot of it was improvised also as they were pushing to meet a uh, meet a deadline for release that year. And I mean, just knowing that is incredibly impressive. RDJ and then of course Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts. And the villain, Obadiah Stane, played by Jeff Bridges, which I think is is a pretty great performance also. He, he seems to be overlooked from being Very underrated one of, one of the first mm -hmm, one of the first villains. 
yeah, it was a great start to the to the MCU and really opened us up to that world mixed with awesome action and hilarious humor. And uh, I think it was perfect to have RDJ start it off. Wow. That would be in my honorable mentions. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the, it's, it's an iconic film because of where it stands in history now. Without that film, we probably wouldn't be even be sitting here talking right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, uh, yeah, great, great choice. All right, round number nine, kicking it back 2004, Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2, which I still contend is the best Spider-Man film. Yes, yes, I get it, I get it. Yes, Spider-Verse is fantastic, I get it. Let me know. Not as good as Spider-Man 2. It's just not. This film really explores the, the consequences and the, and, and the hardships of being a hero. And seeing Peter Parker repeatedly get beat down time and time and time again. You know, his best friend is mad at him. His love of his life is getting married. On top of that, you got a guy with tentacles, Doc Ock, played by Alfred Molina, you know, trying to blow up the city. This film felt more personal than, than most comic book films, maybe because it explores the themes or explores Peter and not really Spider-Man. And I like how it takes its time or it takes the time to see him without the mask. And I appreciate films that do that. And then, of course, you have the great clock tower fight in the train sequence. And, you know, that's where we find out that MJ uh, finally knows that Peter is Spider-Man and the two end up to get, you know, together. And that final shot of Spider-Man swinging in the city, still very iconic to this day. With Danny, I think it's Danny Elfman. Yeah, Danny Elfman's score, last in the background, it truly is a, a special, special film. It's one that I never can seem to leave my top ten. Uh, so my number nine is Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Two. Great choice. Might talk about that one later. Spoiler alert. But my number nine, kicking it to 2014. This was another MCU movie. It was an unexpected hit. Guardians of the Galaxy. You got Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista. And the voices of Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel. And they all work together incredibly well. Of course, being separate at first and then and even hating each other. <laughs> and then coming together to stop a force that's bigger than themselves. The story, of course, was great. And we would go to different planets and different places that look incredible. And also the, the soundtrack is one of the best. Personally, I prefer the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 soundtrack, which has a bigger range of genres. But who would have thought that we'd get some awesome 60s and 70s tunes with a a space movie, including a talking tree and raccoon. So, and you got to thank James Gunn for that. He really stepped it up here. Uh, He has another smaller film called Super that is underrated. But to, to blast off into space, that was just incredible. And like I said, the chemistry between the cast, even beyond the, the main five I listed, is great. Ronan may not be the, the best or most memorable villain, but he still put up a good fight. And of course, Nebula gave us a great performance and uh, a good introduction to, to her character. So yeah, that's my number nine. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, first of all, great choice. Um, it's in my top 20. 
it was definitely Marvel's biggest risk at that time. Mm-hmm. And it paid off. And now today we think of Groot and Rocket as two of our favorite comic book characters of all time to some. You know, Marvel man is care about talking raccoon and a talking tree voiced by Vin Diesel. When you can make us care about a Vin Diesel character, you're doing something right. So even if he's just saying I am Groot. So a great choice, great choice. Uh, ben, number eight. A film I don't think you'll have on your list. And it's a film that I think kind of gets left out on some people's lists. Maybe. It's got some plot holes. I can forget those plot holes for the amazing, amazing experience that this movie gave me and the satisfaction of a great conclusion. And that's Christopher Nolan's in Dark Knight Rises. Truly, truly a beautiful conclusion to the Batman, to the Dark Knight trilogy. You know, I said earlier that I, I love movies that really focus on the character more than him in the suit. And that's what The Dark Knight Rises does for like the first hour. You know, it really explores how broken up and beaten Bruce Wayne has become. And he has that touching scene with Alfred. Alfred trying to make, you know, let, tell Bruce, hey, you're not, you're too old. You're broken. You're not Batman anymore. You know, it's time to move on. Time to move on in the cave. And Bruce can't, can't do it because he's lost everything. Lost Rachel. You know, and he's got nothing. There's nothing else to live for right now. It was nice to see after he gets his ass beat that he has to go and try to find out, figure out how to be Batman again. You know, he spends what, probably a good four or five months down there in that in that cave, or not cave, but prison, trying to rebuild himself and, and, and truly figure out what it comes to be Batman. And I really love that. So it kind of was like almost a throwback to Batman Begins. And everything from Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I loved, and to Anne Hathaway, who everyone was skeptical about being the next Catwoman. So she, she pulled it off. She was great. Uh, Tom Hardy as Bane, yes, it was hard for him to understand him sometimes, but it worked. And you, you felt his physical presence. And the final five minutes, probably, it's a beautiful conclusion. Bruce gets his happy ending with Selena. Alfred gets to see his his surrogate son happy. It looks like Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of becomes the next Batman. We'll never know, thank God, um, because this truly was the end of a trilogy. And did I cry? Yeah, I cried. I choked up a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. It's almost a three-hour epic, and it deserved every minute. So, and then some. The Dark Knight Rises is one of the best comic book films ever made. And that's why it is my number eight. Awesome. Yeah, the, the scene sticks with me the most, I think, is when, like you said, when Bane beats up on Batman, the music drops out and you hear every punch and, and every grunt from, uh, from Batman as he's, he's getting beaten up. That's a crazy scene to watch. My number eight, you had mentioned earlier, my favorite superhero is Spider-Man. So he appears here in a few different versions. But my number eight is the Miles Morales version from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The, the visual effects alone, they made it look like a moving comic book on screen. It's just incredible. Uh, and I know you said it gets overhyped, and I, I think it, it does to some extent, but it's, it's still a groundbreaking feature. The casting was great for all the voices, and they do a wonderful job bringing those characters to life. And you really believe and, and feel those characters. 
Miles Morales. You know, we've seen Peter Parker a couple times now, but to to focus on him and his story was great and a, a much needed addition to this movie. Uh, also, shout out to uh, one of the Peter Parkers, Jake Johnson, who, and one of my favorite shows, New Girl, he plays Nick Miller, and he's hilarious. So I'm happy to see him. So yeah, that's my number eight, Into the Spider-Verse. Okay, so Benjamin, uh, thank you for sharing your number eight. Uh, great, great pick. You know, I'm not the biggest... Uh, I think it's my second favorite film in the, in the, in the Spider-Man universe, but uh, look, tab, like I said, tab it overhyped. Regardless, it's still a great movie. Uh, so moving on to my number seven, there's a little film that uh, really changed the landscape of the MCU as we know it. Joss Whedon was brought on to direct a movie that, uh, to say the least, was Marvel's biggest risk. And that film is The Avengers. That movie is so much fun from start to finish, seeing all the characters that we have come to know and love in the first phase of the MCU, seeing them interact between one another, Tony and Cap, uh, Widow and Cap and Hulk, uh, Thor and Hulk, Tony and Bruce, I mean, and then, of course, at the center of all, I got Nick Fury. Uh, and then, of course, Bill and Loki. Tom Hiddleston, once again, kills it. But you'd be remiss if you didn't talk about uh, Clark Gregg and Agent Colston, who plays a minor role. Minor, uh, well, I wouldn't say minor, but a, a supporting role. And it is his death scene, spoilers, but he's not really dead. Uh, his death scene is kind of the beating drum to kind of get these uh, heroes from all over the globe and, or galaxy now uh, to come together to stop to stop a alien invasion. And that third act is truly, truly one of the best third acts in any comic book movie. Loads of fun. It, it involves two of the best post-credit scenes you'll ever see in any MCU movie. One for laughs and one to really get the nerds going. Obviously, I'm talking about when Thanos appears at the post-credits scene. So, yeah, The Avengers is my number seven. It's a lot of fun. Marvel took a risk, and it paid off. Great pick. We'll keep the Marvel train rolling. With my number seven, I went with Captain America Civil War. It also had a big impact on the MCU with the, the characters, but their relationships changed drastically as they had to choose sides between Captain America, who you wouldn't think, but he's going against the government, or at least you wouldn't think at first, and Iron Man, who is siding with the Sokovia Accords, relegating the, the government make the decisions for the heroes. They team up, and or <laughs> they make teams, and um, that airport battle at the end, where they, they fight against each other, is incredible. It's one of the best battles in superhero movies, and it's not at the end. It's in the it's in it's in the second act. Second oh, okay. Act. I'm sorry. That's true. Second act, where the the heroes fight each other, which you didn't think you'd see before they announced this movie. Uh, and then moving on to the third act, which is the 
more emotionally impactful act in the film. And you find out about the, the true story of Iron Man's parents and their death at the hands of Bucky, unknowingly, but still at the hands of Iron Man's best friend's best friend. And like you mentioned earlier, when he turns to Cap, he says, did you know? And you're just waiting for his response. And he's thinking of the right words to say. Also, when he turns to Bucky and you don't know if he's going to yell or if he's just going to start shooting at him, but he stares him straight in the eye and he just says, you killed my mother. And that hit me really hard. And of course, that starts that fight, which even it's, it's a two on one, which is very different from the airport battle, but it's still expertly choreographed and really, I think, more emotionally impactful. And of course, with Steve dropping his shield at the end, it changed the MCU for the future and really brought up some great debates between my friends and I with who we sided with and what the future would hold when it released in 2016. And that's my number seven. Well, thank you, Benjamin. Um, I won't say anything because maybe that's going to be brought up again. So we're just going to keep rolling along here and talk about my number six. <sighs> Logan. My beautiful, 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 beautiful end to the X-Men trilogy, or the X-Men saga, I should say. Um, even though Dark Phoenix technically is supposed to be technically the last film on that 20th Century Fox saga, it's not. It's Logan. We all know it's Logan. We needed a rated R Logan. We needed to see Wolverine fully unleashed. What we needed to see him killing some dudes uh, with the full R-rated effect. But what I didn't think we needed was Sir Patrick Stewart cursing like a like a crazy person in, in, in this movie. He he gets he gets he gets, he gets some f bombs in there. We talk about Logan and the emotional toll that movie has on you. Uh, it really puts everything into perspective of how much these characters have meant to you over the years. And seeing two of your favorite characters die, hard to watch. Uh, yet it truly felt like its own standalone film that was separate from the entire X-Men universe. It's a beautiful film that should have been nominated for Best Picture, in my opinion, one of the best films to come out in 2017. You know, my final thoughts on this film are, I think 10, 20 years down the road, it's gonna, it, I think it'll still be considered one of the best comic book films ever made. Yeah, it's a tall task but I think it will happen. And uh, so, yes, my number six goes to Logan. Awesome choice. I agree with every word you said. Well, well stated. My number six is a movie we haven't talked about in a while, and it's Logan. It, oh, oh, look at that. We have the same number six. That's funny. So, yeah, like I said, I agree with everything you said. Emotional finale, and it'll definitely stay in, in the ranks of the best superhero and comic book movies for a while. So I've talked about three performances from that movie already, so I won't do much more. I'll use this time to do, since we're halfway through the list, a few honorable mentions to lesser known comic book movies, just to throw out there if you haven't seen them. First of all, I'll talk about Ghost World. It has Scarlett Johansson, Thora Birch, and Steve Buscemi. From 2001, I believe. And it's a great story. Uh, Scarlett and Thora both play characters in high school, and they're, 
they're figuring out who they are and what they want to do. And Steve Buscemi comes along and he's a real quirky character with a big vinyl collection. And so they kind of become friends with him. And it's a, it's a good, good story and a good uh, underrated high school movie. Next one I'll throw out is A History of Violence, uh, directed by David Cronenberg. And it stars Viggo Mortensen of Lord of the Rings fame, uh, Maria Bello and Ed Harris. And I won't give too much away for that one, but it's, it's pretty much, it's a small town and some bad events happen and people aren't exactly who they say they are. And I'll leave it at that. You should check that one out. And finally, The Rocketeer, directed by Joe Johnston, who also did Captain America, the first Avenger. And it again is a period piece of the early 20th century. And it feels like a Iron Man kind of meets Indiana Jones movie where the main character finds a jetpack and makes a helmet for himself and claims himself to be a, a flying superhero. But the, the Nazis also have other plans and they want his jetpack and he gets involved in a big story. Also it features Jennifer Connelly, who I mentioned last time was one of my favorite actresses. So definitely check that one out. Well, thank you for taking the time to share some honorable mentions. I think that's great that you did that. Um, definitely films that you should all check out. If I were to have some honorable mentions, uh, just name out a couple, Watchmen, Iron Man 3, and uh, Shazam, probably. Um, even though Shazam is universally loved, I feel like it doesn't get the attention it deserves. Uh, like Also like Iron Man 3, and also uh, Watchmen, which is criminally underrated and one of Zack Snyder's best films. And I'm not the biggest Zack Snyder fan in the world, but he really pulled something off uh, a masterpiece of a comic book film with Watchmen. Um, so those are kind of my three films that kind of maybe not underrated, but overlooked, uh, especially Iron Man 3. Uh, I mean, good, good Lord. But anyway, when I hear talk about some honorable mentions, we're here to talk about our top 10 favorite films in the comic book genre, and we are inching close to the finish line. So let's start with my number five, or continue with my number five, a film that most people probably consider it's still the best comic book film ever made. And that is Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. Uh, now for me, yes, for a while it was, um, but there have been some other films that have come out that have been better. But this is a comic book movie that doesn't even feel like a, a comic book film. This really is a crime thriller with a vigilante and they got dressed in makeup. I mean, that's, that's honestly how I feel about it. Yes, it has Batman in it, but it, it, it's so much more complex. It's a, it, it really is about you know cleaning up the mob, cleaning up the city, you know, dealing with these corrupt, you know, who's corrupt, who's not. Um, it, it really, it really dives deep into the, with these powerful performances, especially Heath Ledger, like we talked about already. You know, Maggie Gyllenhaal stepping in like Rachel Dawes for Katie Holmes, and she knocked it out of the park. Aaron Eckhart, I mean, look, he's a great actor. Didn't really recover after his performance in this. Um, truly a remarkable performance as Two-Face. And yeah, Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, Christian Bale, all great, all great. Enough, enough words have already been said with The Dark Knight, so me saying anything else is kind of, will be repetitive. So yeah, The Dark Knight, probably will always be in my top 10. Probably, uh, maybe, always even be in my top five. Yeah, my number five goes out to my boy Nolan, The Dark Knight. Great. My number five 
another MCU movie that seems to pop up a lot between us. But uh, this one was a great theater experience also. And it, it sees Captain America thrust into the modern world as he struggles with learning about the dangers of technology and security. And it's his second in his own trilogy. It's The Winter Soldier. Uh, I already talked about Scarlett Johansson's performance is incredible in there. But like I said, Cap's story focuses on him being thrust into this modern world. And it has a a thriller um, spy feel to it. And going against the government, he learns about some of the secrets they've been having for or holding for many years. And it's awesome that they got Robert Redford to be the, the villain in this movie who I wouldn't have thought would be in a superhero movie, but he does a great job. And also I want to talk about Henry Jackson's score. Uh, it's full of rhythmic drums and low drones, but it, it really fits the mood. And the Winter Soldier's main theme is one of my favorites, honestly, in the MCU. It, it sounds mechanical, like his arm. And there's some parts... It's a synthesizer, I think, or some type of instrument, and it, it almost sounds like screens, like his victims. And it's it's just really eerie and really gets to you. And almost every time he appears on the screen, it seems to play and you know let you know he's there. And of course, the, the twist with Bucky being the Winter Soldier, and the other twist with S.H.I.E.L.D. being infiltrated by HYDRA all those years ago, that, that'll never leave my mind of that theater experience. Uh, I saw it with one of my friends and both of our jaws dropped and that was just incredible. And yeah, that's my number five, The Winter Soldier. Well, thank you, Benjamin. Um, yeah, that's one that I, it's probably in my top 15. Um, it's hard to kind of leave out. I struggle with, uh, you know, my top four kind of MCU films that kind of always been the same. I struggle with what, what comes after the Avengers, but uh, Winter Soldier, you know, Ragnarok, Far From Home, I kind of all have that fifth spot, but yeah, that Winter Soldier in the top five deserves, deserves a spot, maybe even a little bit higher. Can't, can't, can't come wrong with Winter Soldier. Truly a, a game-changing film from the MCU. Uh, so my number four is a movie that came out last year, directed by comedic director Todd Phillips, starring the great Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Matt's Joker, a film that gets a lot more hate, it seems like, than uh, it, it deserves. I, I really don't understand. If you don't want the movie, that's fine. Um, but, you know, there it seems to be people out there who just want to hate it just to hate it. And I don't get that. Uh, look, it's a character study. This film doesn't really, it's not really a, a plot. It's a character study about this man descending into madness. You know, having a bad day after having a bad day after having a bad day. And then when, when things seem to be going right for him, oh, oh, wait, no. His day gets even worse. And then he's in, look, the, the character of Arthur Fleck is unreliable as heck. You know, I love the twist with the, with the, with the, uh, with the Zazie Beats character. Why am I forgetting her name? Anyway, uh, I, I love the twist with how that whole relationship was pretty much just imagined in his head. And then, of course, the final act with him finally becoming the Joker and the talk show scene, probably being my favorite scene of the entire movie, of that scene or the stairwell scene with him, you know, dancing on that stairwell. So 
throughout the movie, you see him kind of slowly walking up those stairs, but now seeing him come down the stairs with a different mood, different, I mean, I, I love that. Um, you know, he's happy, he feels free for the first time. It's just, you know, doesn't really have a care in the world anymore uh, because he's kind of been lied to his whole life and he's crazy and, 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 and you know, you feel for the guy until they start killing people. But um, yeah, this was truly a, one of the greatest character studies I've ever seen in film. So that's why I have Joker as my number four. And a beautiful score, by the way. Beautiful, beautiful score mm-hmm. that deserved the Oscar win. Hilda Godendotter, I think is how you yeah. pronounce it. Something like that. I hope so, yeah. I, I apologize if I butchered that. But uh, yeah, that's a good pick. My, like I said earlier, I <clears throat> I remember coming out of the theater and I was I liked it, uh, but I, I still had some a few concerns, I guess. And uh, but uh, undoubtedly, Joaquin is incredible in that performance. Zazie Beetz plays Sophie. What's her character's name? I looked it up. So with my number five being the Winter Soldier, which is a, a grounded film or semi-grounded, <laughs> as far as you can get in superhero movies for the MCU. These next two all grouped together, which I know Kevin Feige won't like, but they. They do feel like different films and different moods and tones, but they kind of flow together in my mind. So for my personal picks, I'll put four, Infinity War, and three, Endgame. Infinity War is the better action and honestly, I think a better laid out and paced film, but Endgame brings that emotion and an incredible, incredible finale to many characters' stories that we've we've grown up and, and come to love. And it's the more dramatic film, too, which I think that's why it, it sticks with you longer. Uh, of course, the huge cast from both films, they, they filmed back-to-back over like eight months, I think it was, uh, a long time. And it's crazy, too. It, it starts with Infinity War. Of course, Thanos shows up, but... You know, you get you get some of the humor and the fun in the beginning of a of a normal Marvel film, but then things start to go pretty bad, and the attacks on New York and and cities around the world it gets worse, and ultimately ending up in the the decimation, the the snap of Thanos at the end was pure craziness, and I remember walking out of the theater and I talked to my friends for like an hour and a half <laughs> out in the parking lot late at night wondering where it would go and also just talking about how the Russo brothers had created such an awesome film. The The previous two, Civil War and Winter Soldier, of course we talked about were incredible, but it's crazy. They, they brought all those threads together for Infinity War and tied them up very nicely for Endgame and even tied up threads from previous movies and callbacks all the way to Iron Man in 2008. Uh, it was just awesome. And I know I've talked about Endgame a couple times, and it'll probably come up again <laughs> later this episode. But, yeah, that's my that's my number four and three. Well, yeah, uh, Kevin Feige would be pissed at you right now for putting those <laughs> films together. And the Russo Brothers would be, too. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Oh. How dare you? I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, you, great, great picks. Uh, nothing else to say about that because they may come up in a minute. But uh, 
Unexpected? Uh, yeah, unexpected. Uh, so our number three, and, and, and wrapping this up, a movie I was very much excited for because I love the comic so much. Uh, my number three, a film that had me hyped ever since they announced it. So I love that. Like I said, I love the comic. I love the premise and the trailers and with the Russos coming back to direct this film. How do you not love Captain America: Civil War? My goodness, they updated with the action, the drama. You know, I talked about this one yesterday because it is one of my favorite films of all time. But I, I, I want to say I, I didn't mention this part. This film has one action scene, and then it's about 30 minutes before you get another action scene. This film really takes its time to really delve into the characters, why they choose the, the sides that they are on. Everyone has a purpose, and it, it really is a masterclass of storytelling. And yes, the airport scene is fantastic. It is the highlight of the film. A couple other action scenes get unnoticed. Tony and, 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 and Tony versus Cap and, and Bucky. The highway scene between Bucky, uh, Cap, Falcon, and, and Black Panther. Black Panther. Yes. So uh, that, that's, you know, it, when you have a fight scene as grand and as big as the airport scene, it's unfortunate these other fight scenes got kind of forgotten about, but they shouldn't because they were excellent action scenes. And like I said earlier, RDJ kills it, Chris Evans kills it and introduces Spider-Man and Black Panther seamlessly. Uh, Civil War is basically a masterpiece for me, and that's why it is my number three favorite comic book film of all time. Which leads me into my number two, another film directed by the Russo Brothers, with an even bigger cast, and a villain that is probably considered one of the greatest comic book villains of all time, Catwoman. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, Daredevil. Nah, I'm just kidding again. Just uh, kidding again. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, Avengers Infinity War, obviously. It, it, uh, <laughs> I, sometimes I lose my words because I, I love this film so much. And just, this film doesn't... It, it still blows my mind how this film worked. You have all these A-list talent people, and yet the main focus is always on Thanos. Yes, it's called Avengers Infinity War. Really should be called Thanos Infinity War, or just Thanos. It seems like each action scene is like should be part of a third act. They talk about the Battle of New York in the opening minutes, or the Battle of Wakanda, or the, the fight between uh, Scarlet Witch and the Black Order and Vision in Scotland. You know, just a playful banter between everybody. You know, Thor with the Guardians, uh, Tony and Doctor Strange and Spidey. I mean, interactions we've Never thought we would ever see it in a comic book movie, and we got to see it. Alan Silvestri's score is beautiful. This, this film is probably the Russo's most beautiful film they've done, visually, a visual spectacle for the eyes, and an ending that will leave, that left, well, not will leave, it left everybody in tears. But snap it in. You know, I still can't believe Disney had the balls to pull it off. I didn't think they would do it. They would find some kind of combat way to do it. You know, in Thor, you know, through his through Stormbreaker and Thanos' chest, you're like, okay, well, Disney fight, and it did it, and the snap happened, and it left audiences a puddling mess for an entire year, and left us pondering on what the heck was going to happen in the next installment. 
It's too bad the next installment's on my list. So, um, <laughs> awesome. moving on to number one. Yeah, it's too bad. So, moving on to your number two, Benjamin. So, my number two, I had mentioned in the intro of the episode, Spider-Man 2. I remember seeing that in theaters, and that was a really big deal. I uh, was Spider-Man uh, a couple years for Halloween, I believe, uh, including the, the web shooter with the silly string shooting out, and that was fun. Yeah, the, the film is awesome and how it balances school life and just normal civilian life with uh, being a superhero in New York City. And Tobey Maguire really portrays that well. Then you got Kirsten Dunst as his girlfriend who is he's trying to spend time with her and make her feel uh, wanted, but also knowing that he has an ability that could help him be out there and saving lives in New York City. And just that dichotomy and seeing his decisions change throughout the film that's really grounded in, in human emotion and that's what makes it so powerful and i rewatched it again the other day the flashback with his uncle ben more of a dream sequence i guess he's he's talking to him and you get that iconic line with great power comes great responsibility and that's a, a wonderful tagline for this movie yeah that's my number two spider-man 2 I'm glad that you have Spider-Man 2 that high up. It, it truly is one of the best Spider-Man films of all time. And one of the best comic book films of all time. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it truly is a, a, a timeless masterpiece. Which leads me into my number one. Speaking of masterpiece, and uh, speaking of all things related to Marvel, my number one film is a movie that uh, not many of you have heard of. It advertises this little indie drama film targeting a certain fan base had some weird casting choices like Paul Rudd, Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo. It's like, oh, these people, really? It's an eclectic group there. Yeah, it's a really eclectic weird group. But, uh, you know, you got I, I, okay, whatever. Avengers Endgame is the greatest oh, yeah. film of all time. Uh, I can't, uh, look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. And I will say it tomorrow, and I will say it next week, and I will say it next year, and I will say it next decade, and a decade after that, until I die. But I will never see a comic book film as great as Avengers Endgame. You heard it here first on episode two of this podcast. If I find a better comic book film, better than Avengers Endgame, I will buy everybody a freaking Ferrari. Oh, wow. Mark, mark my words. I will buy everyone a freaking Ferrari. I'll take an Enzo. I don't care. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, yeah, a game is, uh, it, it, it truly is one of, it, it's an experience unlike any other. And it, like you said earlier, it's a drama, drama first, and it, it pays off in the third act with a nerdgasm-inducing uh, finale, and that goes far after the battle, but with the the death of Tony Stark, his funeral, for appointing Valkyrie the new king of Asgard, or queen, I guess, maybe, and then Cap passing, you know, getting all the things left with Peggy and passing all the mantles to Sam Wilson, aka the Falcon. And people get mad, like, well, we should have been Bucky. No, we shouldn't have. Bucky is a mass murderer. No, 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 no. Doesn't matter who's mind control. The public image of him is still bad. So, all that being said, I've talked about it enough. Talked about it at length yesterday. It's my favorite film of all time. 
is my favorite comic book album of all time. And I, you know, when I have future children, the first thing I'm going to show them is the MCU. And I can't wait to show them that game because we're going to be blown away. And uh, look, I'm even wearing a whatever it takes shirt. That's how much I love this freaking movie. I have too much Endgame merchandise. I, I, I have too many copies of the film. I probably watch it more than I should. I don't care. This film is uh, God, God is perfect. It's perfect. So, thank you, Russo's. Thank you, Kevin Feige. Thank you to the OG Six Avengers. And thank you, Alan Sebastian, for your beautiful score. Truly, 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 the best comic book film ever made. So, thank you, to Endgame. Wow, that's that's powerful words. Um, yeah, I think you're still, that, you're still making that Ferrari. So I'm not getting that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we'll see. Um, yeah, I think we, we had met a couple of years ago on Instagram, but what jumps out to me is the, the anticipation for Endgame is when we started really connecting. And uh, I know you posted about it uh, almost daily <laughs> with uh, trailers and character posters, but I didn't mind. I said, keep it coming. And then, of course, we've become closer friends now. So, yeah, End, Endgame's incredible. Now, I've been talking about Marvel this entire time, Marvel characters from different studios at least, but my number one still got to give it to DC with their character, Batman, and specifically 2008's The Dark Knight. This one also just just blew me away. I really like how it's grounded and a lot of superhero movies go epic, which I, I love those too. But this one being so grounded and also, like I said, with Spider-Man 2, it's, it's real, the human relationship between the characters. And, of course, Batman doesn't have superpowers. He has a really cool utility belt. But he's still an awesome character. And you get awesome performance from Christian Bale in the titular role. And then we've talked about Heath Ledger as the Joker. And like we said before, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Aaron Eckhart, Gary Oldman as Commissioner Gordon, which I think was great casting as well. And all of them come together to, to make a great film. I mean, every time you see Joker on, on the screen, it's, it's chill-inducing. And you never know what he's going to do. And the, the themes of the movie, too, like I said, they, they try to stay grounded about heroes and villains and who, whose side are you really on and... It, it all just culminates into a, a fantastic film, in my opinion. And I'll, I'll leave you with one of the best endings to a movie ever, but especially for comic book movies. The quote that Jim Gordon tells his son as the Dark Knight rides off in his bat cycle. He says, he's the hero that Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt him. Because he can take it. Because he's not a hero. He's a silent guardian. A watchful protector. A dark night. And after Hans Zimmer, his beautiful score cuts off and the screen fades to black, you're just left thinking over the entire movie and how far you would go in these uh, circumstances and what you would do if you were in the shoes of Batman, Bruce Wayne. So that's my number one, The Dark Knight. All right, Benjamin. Well, I, I had a feeling it was either going to be The Dark Knight or Spider Man 2, and I was correct. <laughs> Great list, great list. So to run down my list one more time, number 10 is X-Men Days of Future Past. Number nine is Spider-Man 2. Number eight, The Dark Knight Rises. Number seven, The Avengers in 2012. 
Number six, Logan. Number five, The Dark Knight. Number four, Joker. Number three, Captain America Civil War. Number two, Avengers Infinity War. And number one, the beautiful, wonderful, indie darling, Avengers Endgame. Great. My rundown, number 10, Iron Man. Nine, Guardians of the Galaxy. Eight, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Seven, Captain America Civil War. Six, Logan. Five, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Four, Avengers Infinity War. Three, Avengers Endgame. Two, Spider-Man 2. And one, The Dark Knight. Or should I say, The Dark Knight. Oh, all right. That was a better Batman voice than we did at the beginning. Okay, that's good. Um, that being said, all good things must come to an end. And episode two is now complete. We could do this all day. But I must get some sleep. And so was Ben. And so must Ben. Uh, yeah. So thank you for joining us in episode two of this wonderful, wonderful podcast that we love doing. We hope that everyone out there is staying safe, wearing your mask, not going to parties. Please be safe out there. Watch a movie. Catch up on your shows. Uh, ben, any closing thoughts before we head out? Uh, same thing. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe. Stay healthy. Thank you. I look forward to talking again in the next episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that was Ben Saunders. I am Roger Bluttrop. Stay safe and good night.